Hey everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to today's episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. Today on the show, we have Jordan Scott, a designer and animator currently residing in Brooklyn, New York. Jordan has had an incredible career working with a vast array of legendary studios such as Buck, Digital Kitchen, and Imaginary Forces, and has worked on projects for some of the coolest clients out there, including Google, Twitter, Verizon, and Saturday Night Live, to name a few. Uh, recently, Jordan has decided to leave the world of freelance and join up with the fantastic Oddfellas team at their new branch in Portland, uh, which we'll get into a little bit on today's show. Jordan also curates the site IceCreamHater.com, where he features great animated work by freelancers and small shops alike. It's an incredible place to find new work and get inspired for your own projects. I'm excited to get into all this on this week's episode of Animalators. Jordan Scott, welcome to Animalators. Thanks so much for being on the show. Great to be a part of this. Very excited. Yeah. Well, um, man, I, I have been, I say this to everyone that I have on the show, but I've been following your work from, for quite some time now. Um, really love it. Big fan. Um, so I, I'd love to kind of jump into your story and maybe just hear a little bit um, about how you got started in animation. Um, I mean, you've had an incredible career working uh, with lots of studios, and, and now you're going on to join the team in Portland with Oddfellows, which I'm super excited about. I'd love <laughs> to get to that. Uh, but let, let's start back at the beginning. Um, I know you, you grew up in Canada. How did I you did. get started into this animation game? Well, uh, I think the easiest would be to kind of frame up what led me to go to school. And I think that starts in high school where I, I used to make videos with my friends because we had this talent show and we, uh, we made these kind of jackass type videos that weren't nearly as dangerous or nearly (laughs) as funny. Um, and, uh, for some reason, I, I always kind of volunteered to edit them, and I, I kind of wanted to be the one to put them together, and so that just became a, my way of contributing, aside from being in them. Um, <laughs> Please tell me those are online somewhere. I will tell you that there <laughs> are a few somewhere on the internet. If you can find them, <laughs> okay. I'll, I don't know what I'll give you, but I'll, I'll give you uh, kudos for sure. Okay. Um, so I would edit them, and then I remember... My dad actually bought me a copy of uh, Premiere 3, I think it was, and it had the ability to, to key out stuff. So I, I would take the footage, and we did this skit. Oh, I can't really tell. I'm going to give it away if I... <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to be able to find it. Oh, man. Uh, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice. It, it was a failed... Uh, American Idol auditions. Yes. And so we would dress up as characters and do all kind of crazy <laughs> stuff and uh and I and I had to put in the that that bluish uh American Idol background. So I did all that and and I think that was like the most VFX heavy thing we did and I was really excited about it. I was telling everybody and at the time I was going to school for um this is sorry. This this is, had kind of uh, happened over time from grade twelve through when I I went to school and where did you go? To so school? I was I was going to university for a criminal justice degree. Oh, and I I was yeah I was a year into that and I was working at a sporting goods store. I was in the footwear department and 
so I sold shoes. I was a full time shoe seller, and <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I was I was pretty good, and uh, <laughs> and I would tell my manager, I would you know I'd be like, oh, we just did this video. You should check it out, and and I had been working there for a while, and and he was like, you know what? He pulled me aside one day and he said, you really seem excited when you talk about these videos that you're doing. And he's like, you should really consider maybe, um, doing it more than a hobby. You know, I don't know what that looks like. He didn't know what that meant. I didn't really know anything about it, but he's like, look into it, see if there's, you know, a way for you to, to do it professionally. And, wow. and I, you know, th that really stuck with me and I looked into it and, and kind of looked around where I was able to go to school and landed on Vancouver film school. And so I kind of, after the first year of uh, university was done, I dropped out and moved to Vancouver where my, uh, my dad lived and shacked up with him and took a whole bunch of odd jobs, saved up for a year. And then I went to Vancouver film school. So that's how I got to the, the school stage and, and kind of what attracted me to doing what I'm doing now in a roundabout way. I yeah. think it's kind of taken some refining to get to where I'm at, but that's the, the gist of it. Yeah, I know that. I mean, some, some previous Animalators guests have, have gone to VFS. Uh, Jorge uh, mm -hmm. went there and, and tons of other talented people. H how did you like your time there? You know, I think the main reason that I went there, aside from seeing what I could potentially do based on what they had on their site, was that I just didn't, after doing a year of university, I didn't think I could get through four years of anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have really struggled. And that was really attractive about the program was that it was like, we're going to teach you four years of stuff in a year and wow. you're not going to see anybody. You're not going to be able to have a job. <laughs> you're going to be exhausted all the time. Wow. And it was, it was tough at times during that year, but once, you know, it was, I think it was August to August program and getting through it was, I think it was like, was the reward was yeah. you were done and now you were set up to go learn and go work. Yeah. So to, to me, that was, that That's was awesome. the, the best part about it. And then I know like the first half of the program, everybody does the same stuff. We all have, there's six terms, I think it was. And so, you know, you, everyone does the same curriculum and then the next three, you kind of split off and you choose whether you wanted to do branding or, uh, interactive design or, or like, 3d um and i kind of gravitated toward the animation side of things and started messing around with that so how then did you kind of make that transition to um i don't know like your career your your work life i, I know you spent uh, a small time full time at, at a company called the lifelong friendship friendship society but then uh, kind of immediately jumped in freelance did did school and, and that time being full-time kind of help you build your portfolio? Because, uh, you know, kind of being a new member to the freelance community, uh -huh. I feel like it can be pretty challenging. So how did you kind of break into that? Uh, well, I, I finished school and then I stayed in Vancouver for, I think it was around a year. And I worked at a company there doing uh, internal how-to videos to use a cell phone, like how to send a text message, <laughs> nice. how to turn off your phone. And then I did on-screen graphics for a like local broadcast TV show about technology hosted by two people who probably shouldn't have been hosting <laughs> the show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I put my time in there and, and it was all a learning experience. And, and during that time, both towards the end of school and then that first year, I think I, 
I probably sent like 200 emails to wow. everybody I could get a hold of. Any email I could get, any studio, any agency, any any what I, anyone looking for anything, I sent an email. And I think I got like two or three responses back. And <laughs> wow. one of those responses was actually uh, Digital Kitchen oh, in wow. Seattle. Yeah. And they had asked me if I wanted to go and intern there. So I figured out how to get my uh, visa stuff in order. And, and my wife is actually from Washington state. So we were in the process of getting married then. Uh, so rather than do the, like the work visa stuff, we just went ahead and did the green card thing and then just Very waited nice. for that to come through. Yeah. And then once that came through, we, we moved down to Seattle and I interned at digital kitchen and then I, uh, ended up working there for a bit afterwards and then kind of towards, I don't know, working there for a bit, realized that they were moving away from a lot of the kind of work that I was attracted to in the first place. So we parted ways and I went and worked at a bunch of other places in Seattle and then got uh, an offer for Lifelong Friendship Society, which you mentioned in New York. And uh, so we moved out to New York and I started up there and we were there for maybe, f I think I was full time there for four months. And then we got pulled into the back room one day oh, no. on a Friday and they were like, sorry guys, you have <laughs> two weeks left to work. And then that's it. No. I, I remember, I remember this day vividly because we had just moved to New York. We didn't know anybody. Yeah. It was the hottest summer on record. It was like 100 <laughs> degrees at midnight. It, it was expensive. We had just signed a lease. My wife didn't have a job yet. It was the worst situation. I remember I went home, opened the door, I went and sat on the couch, and I just cried for like an hour. No. I was so upset. I, I didn't know what to do. And then I was like, I don't have a choice. I, I legitimately didn't have a choice. I had to work. Otherwise, we were yeah. hooped. So that was really the catalyst to kind of push me into the, the big kid world of freelancing. Mm. Um, and I just kind of started networking and, and then that's kind of the long and the short of it's kind of, that brings me to where I am today. You know, there's a lot of other stories and, sure. and experience in there, but from then today it's all been the same. It's all been, I think in about seven years, I've had four months of full-time work. Wow. So, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, you've, you've obviously had an incredibly successful freelance career. Um, Thank you. How do you, how do you approach that? How do you, how do you frame your work? First of all, in trying to get, I mean, I, I feel like at this point you, you've got so many relationships and you're so well networked, but at, at one point <laughs> you weren't. So like how, how did no, you frame your work to, to kind of set up your freelance career? I think that when I started out, I mean, I definitely didn't find my voice until only recently. I didn't really know what I enjoyed doing. And it was more coming from a place of, well, how can I impress other people or what can I do mm -hmm. uh, that would get me a job? So it was just doing everything I did. I was decent at everything and great at nothing. Hmm. And most of the stuff that I did, I didn't enjoy doing. And so I did that for a while and I struggled through doing like basic 3D work and very little to no design or illustration. And often I was just faking it. I was frightened and I didn't know what to do. And 
So I, you know, do what I could. And if I got by, great. No one asked any questions. Phew, it was over <laughs> on to the next one. Yeah. And then I kind of started thinking about what I wanted to do. And I remember a couple years ago, I just kind of took a look at all the work that I had done. And a lot of it was just, it wasn't interesting. It wasn't interesting to me. I wasn't learning. I was just kind of jumping around and leapfrogging. And so I just cut everything out one day. I, I reduced my portfolio down to a couple pieces and I just decided I was going to start putting stuff on there that I was really proud of and that I wanted to get hired for because people are just going to hire you for the work that you have on your site. I mean, it's just logic it, and, and I was getting hired for stuff that I didn't want to do. So I put stuff up, whether it be, I think it was a lot of just personal stuff at first and a lot of it wasn't too refined or very good, but it was at least in the direction that I wanted to go. Hmm. So, uh, I put stuff up there and I, I would start getting more work in that vein. And I remember people told me at first, you know, people were like, you know, be careful. You don't want to paint yourself into a corner. You know, you don't want to be having such a narrow field of vision doing X thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I was just like, don't tell me I can't do it. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do it. And, uh, I just kept chipping away and, and. I'm still learning and figuring out new things that I like and refining what I want to do. But I, it's, I think it's helped me immensely because when someone comes to me, they can very easily take a look at my site and go, oh, he designed this or he animated this. Mm -hmm. And it makes it easier for someone to hire me. They know what I'm capable of. And it's easier for me to feel confident and go, okay, they, they need this and they feel comfortable bringing me in. Yeah. And, and hopefully I can help them with, with said thing. So that's great. No. And, and I feel like that is, that can be a little bit frightening too. Cause you like, Oh, they, they won't think I'm experienced. Like I've only worked, you know, on these two projects or something, but, but man, no, I think, I think you're really, you're really onto something there. I think that's great. Well, I think it applies both to work and the way you, I, well, people will, will kind of be selective about where they apply some of this logic. I know a lot of people are like, with your reel, it's like how a short reel, a short reel is better than a long reel. Like only put the best work in there. And it's like, well, why shouldn't that apply to your portfolio? Sure. Um, yeah. And I think that having less work, you would much rather hire someone who has four or five pieces of really polished, clear work than someone who's got like, look, look at these 20 things I did. And it's all over the map. Oh, I remember totally. looking at some people's work uh, when I was, working at a studio and they'd asked me if I, if I knew anybody and I was trying to help them find people for this job we were working on. Mm -hmm. Some people just had, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't tell what they did. And it, I think it hinders you rather than helps you. Sure. You know, and I, I know in your mind it might feel like, you know, quantity over quality, but I think that's dead wrong. So. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think you're, you're playing a bit of Russian roulette too. If you have like anything on your site, that's like bad. Like what if that's the yes. only thing that they click on? And we've, we've been in a situation where someone gets brought in because they have something on there and maybe they were just the tiniest bit oh, invested no. in that project. Yeah. And it's like, just like feeling around in the dark. Yeah. And so then not only are you doing yourself a disservice, you're the people who brought you in are like, they're not getting anything that they hired you for. And I think that's pretty unfair on both, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I think like, just to, to leapfrog off of that, I think it's like when someone emails me about work, probably for a couple of years now, it's it's always 
this sounds great. Um, can I see some reference or some style frames? And people seem to be amazed that, that that's something that you can ask. And it's like, well, why not? Why, what, what other profession would you go into just blindly? Sure. If someone asks you to build a house, you go, sure, let's do it. You know, you want to know what kind of house they're building or where it's being built or whatever. And I think that I've, I've turned down a ton of work solely because I'm like, look, I am not the best person for this or I don't feel comfortable for this. Hmm. And I'll, I'll, I can recommend these people who are. And, and then that often comes around later on because you're being honest. Honesty is the best medicine. I don't know if that's a saying. It is now. <laughs> it is now. I don't know. And I feel like that might permeate a little bit to kind of the entire process then too, right? I mean, sure. how do you kind of approach that? I mean, I, I know I, I've seen you kind of talk about that that transparency and just uh, effective communication is like a big part of what makes um, projects go well. And I'm guilty of this too. But I, by the way, I, I want to make it known that this is not like something I just done from the start. This <laughs> yeah. has been a long time of learning. I shouldn't have done that yeah. um, and, and refining it and getting better. And now I've kind of got a working protocol that is kind of a no brainer for me. I know how to respond to things and um, I can, I guess I can give you some examples. Yeah, like, that'd be great. When someone, when someone emails, like I said, asking for reference or asking for style frames, or if they don't have that and you go, can you look at my site or Vimeo? And can you pick something that you think would speak to what you're, what you're going for? Um, I think that making sure that you're agreed, things are agreed upon when you're entering the project. Make sure that you're very upfront about your rate, how you're charging, what are the hours you're working. You know, it's like very strictly, this is my rate. It's based on a, a 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. day. And there's always, there's always a little bit of wiggle room. Some, some days you might finish a little early. Some days maybe you got to go sure. a half hour, 45 minutes over. But when you start creeping into those hours, every minute that you work diminishes the money that you're making. And, yeah. and I, I, people often, I get the vibe that people are ashamed to ask for more money or to go, look, this is taking more time based on things that we had already agreed upon. Um, and it's and why, why should my time be any less valuable than the person who's doling out the feedback and then going home and then yeah. expecting it to be done the next day. Um, and I think that just being upfront and saying, this is what I'm doing. This is when I'm working. You know, I make it very clear what I expect from you. And in turn, I know what you can expect from me and how I work. And I will work hard for the time that you've hired me for. I will make sure things get done. There'll be clear communication. And that very rarely, if ever, backfires. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I could drone on about this for a while. <laughs> no, but... no, I think I think that's great advice. Do you? I'm curious. Do you use uh, like a specific contract? Did you have like I don't know, like a lawyer involved in, in any of this stuff, or do you just try and just be very clear and direct? When I'm working with a, a like direct to client mm -hmm. kind of thing, um, then there's usually a contract involved. But I haven't done that for a while. It's been mostly either remote work for studios or agencies or sure. in-house work yeah. for studios or agencies. So, um, and even that too, is it's, it's being clear about posting of the work and not waiting until the project is done and asking about it. You know, I've, yeah. I, I, I'm doing this because I'm excited about the work that I am doing and I want to share it. And if for some reason I'm not able to, to share that work, that's how other people find me. You know, you look at the site and you go, 
this is what he's capable of. Well, if I can't share that, then I'm charging more. Uh, you know, there's a premium for that. And yeah, that's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. And that, and um, that's always a super bummer too. Cause like, I don't know. I feel like that's part of the excitement of the work, right? It's like being able to share exactly. it. Being like I made this, like what motivation yeah. would I had if I, if I can't like share this and tell people I made it, I don't know. That's like part of the fun. Well, it'd be like making a nice painting and then putting it in the closet. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, money uh, is definitely a part of the, the equation. And, and it's of course, yeah. obviously what we're doing because you got to pay the bills. But I think the majority of the people listening to this, hopefully, would, would be doing this because they just enjoy what they, they like to create and make things. They're makers. And, mm. and you want to show people, not in a braggadocious way, but just in a like, look what I did. Look what I learned yeah. how to do. Or I asked so-and-so for help and they taught me this and I, I did this on my own. Yeah. And and to have companies come back and, you know, I understand there's there are certain uh, projects where it's internal and it's never intended. Maybe it's some training video or something sure. that maybe gets killed at yeah. the last minute. Yeah, and yeah. that's just, there, there are always exceptions. So by no means is this a blanket statement. But generally speaking, to be able to show your work should be... An absolute. I, I strongly agree with that. So, kind of in your in your experience working freelance, is there anything that you would? Um, I don't know. Is there anything that you would change about the way our industry is structured? Uh, I don't think I would like change it actively because I I already do kind of implement it. But I personally don't use the hold system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's something that's familiar to everyone it's yeah, definitely yeah. used heavily in can you explain what that New York is and LA. for people it's, who don't know okay i'll do my best seeing as i don't use it but <laughs> uh it's 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 essentially a way for a studio to lay claim to you before they've actually booked you so um typically there's first and second hold and they will say hey can i have a first hold which means that they potentially have a project coming down the pipeline and they want to uh, they want first dibs on you. So then if another studio comes along and says, hey, we have a project, uh, either we want to put you on second hold or we want to book you and you go, hey, I have a first hold. So that studio has to challenge the other studio <laughs> and you have 24 hours to talk to the other studio and they either book you or release you and then you get either booked or put on hold at the other studio and it's just the stupidest thing in the world <laughs> and I hate it and I it's it benefits producers that's what it benefits it it has no benefit to me uh, I, I operate in a simple way I'm either booked or I'm not booked and I don't have to go and ask someone if I can go work at another place or if they're going to book me or not, I'm, I, I know 100% all the time, am I working? Am I not working? And any other industry that, that just wouldn't make any sense. It's the only way I can see it being applicable is if I'm being paid to be on hold, like a retainer. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not. So I'm not guaranteeing you my time for free. You know, either, what if something else comes along? Uh, you know, I don't want to be asking permission every time I need to, to shift gears or, or something's not working out. So I will state that many people use it and obviously it works for them. And by no means am I saying everything needs to change, but it's something I do for myself. And I, I 
often get thanked by producers. I got thanked yesterday. You know, they, they seem to find it refreshing and just less of a hassle. And it's how I operate, and it has not once ever hindered getting work or my relationship with the client. So you, you freelance with a, a bunch of different studios over the year, some, some of the best out there. Um, how has your experience uh, working with all those different studios kind of shaped your perspective uh, on the industry as a whole? I think that it's been a refreshing process to be able to go to so many different places and having been able to live in a handful of large cities like Vancouver, Seattle, Los Angeles, New York, and you, you hop around and you get to see, well, what's the culture like at, at each studio and what kind of people do they hire? What kind of hours do they work? Hmm. What do they do when, when they're doing personal work? And there's a number of other things you could ask, but it's just nice to be a fly on the wall. And for me, it's been about slowly shaping what would I want to get out of uh, a studio should I gravitate back towards the full-time side of things? You know, like what's the, the work-life balance like? What is the overall atmosphere? Is it like really, really young and like, like bro-y college-y kind of feel? <laughs> yeah. Is it like older family kind of vibe where people have kids and hobbies outside of work and, um, I don't know, like, what kind of food do they eat? So, like, <laughs> serious. First, I have worked in studios where it's just, like, greasy spoon all the time. And I think maybe, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but in some <laughs> way I feel like that might affect, you know, everyone's going to be dead in five years. Oh, gosh. But I don't know. It's just, it's all sorts of things. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's personal and, and just, like, what your tastes are. You know, oh, what kind sure. of, of course. music do people listen to at the studio? Do they go and do stuff as a group outside of work. And um, it's just been a, a collection of things that make me realize this is definitely not what I want, or this is really um, intriguing to me. And so it shaped this kind of, this vision of what I think a, sh a studio should be. Um, well, well, speaking of that, you have just joined a studio. Um, I have, which is awesome and crazy, and you're you're joining up with some incredibly talented people, and yeah, now you yes. you kind of get to be a part of establishing like a new culture, which I think is super exciting. I'm sure. Um, right. Yes. Very exciting. So, tell us a little bit about Oddfellows. Uh, what's what's your role like there? Um, and then I'd also like to get into kind of why the shift away from freelance to full time. Tell us a little bit about Oddfellows. Tell us a little bit about your role. Uh, I've worked with those guys for years now, and, and it's been solely on a freelance basis. Um, who, are, who are those guys? Or who, who, what's the crew? Chris and Colin are the creative directors, and TJ is the EP. Cool. So they're, they're the core group, and then Chris's wife also, Erica, does, she keeps us all on track, does the payroll, makes sure that uh, you know, we're all behaving. Nice. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so they're a, they're a small group, and they have been for uh, a couple years now as they've been shaping like what, what their voice is, what kind of work that they want to do. Um, and they're based out of San Francisco right now. And yeah, so, very cool. Um, yeah, I love their stuff. Chris, Chris Kelly is actually where I just got an email from him yesterday. He's going to be on the show in, I don't know, a couple weeks. We'll oh, see. fantastic. But. He can listen to this and then smack talk me. <laughs> Perfect. Hi, Chris, if you're listening to this. Um, 
and and so it's just been a wide variety of, of projects and for me it's it's been great because uh like when I took that job at Lifelong there was there was work to look at but I knew nothing about the culture I knew nothing about the people who were hiring me whereas I it's almost like I've been on a very long like years long first date with them and <laughs> you know they they know what I'm like uh in my good days and my bad days what aggravates me or makes me happy. And I know the same about them. And, uh, we know about interests and, and hobbies and, and we just share a lot of the same values. And like I was talking about earlier, it's just, it's very much, in, we're very in line with how we view both the industry as a whole and then just life. And yeah, I think that is just very exciting for me because it happened very naturally and, and it's not at all forced. I don't feel like I'm giving anything up to go work there. If anything, I feel fortunate that I'm someone that they're choosing to help build a new arm of the company and, and help shape maybe where things are going a little bit. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have like a title or like a specific role? Yeah, I'll be a art director there. Cool. So. Very cool. And who else is who else is joining that team in in Portland? It's in Portland, correct? It is. Yes. Uh, Jay Quersha out here is also joining the awesome. the uh, uh, Portland team. And uh, yeah, if any, if anyone hasn't checked out Jay's work, you should stop what you're doing and look him up. He's fantastic. Yes, Jay is the man. And Kayvan, who is also another animator out here in New York, and we Very had cool. actually just gotten drinks all together last week, which was kind of cool before we all migrate out to the West coast. So nice. that was a nice little moment. <laughs> we were sharing it with the, the guys out West sending each other dumb comments about, <laughs> I don't know what, but, and then in the San Francisco office will be Colin and, uh, Stan and Nada. And they just had a new intern come in from Goblins. Her name is Lorraine, who I have yet to meet, but I'm very excited to. Very cool. Um, so very talented bunch. Yeah. It's a, a lot dream of people team. I can learn from. Very yeah. cool. So I, I'm very curious why the shift from freelance to full time. Uh, I don't know if you <laughs> had a chance to listen to Saunders episode last week, but he, I did. He, yes. he just made the, the opposite transition. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious why, why the transition for you? It would be tough to kind of put it in a, a bubble that everyone could understand. But I think for me, it was something that I was interested in. Uh, I, I wasn't really like always freelancer, always full time. It's just something that has happened over the course of my working in, in this world. And so I knew that it would happen eventually. Hmm. Um, and it was just a matter of would things align and would we, we agree on where things were going and is it someplace I could see myself for a long time. And realistically, I, I probably would have freelanced for another couple years, two or three years, four or five, I don't know, somewhere in that range. But I guess the way I looked at it was it was going to happen and it wasn't going to happen on my time. So this was just presented to me and it was a great opportunity. And I go, well, I could not do this and stay freelance and enjoy what I'm doing and, and the, the perks of that. But then what? And then maybe there are no opportunities like this that I feel encapsulates everything that I'm looking for. So it was either stay freelance and give this up or maybe shave a couple years of, of that life 
off of what I'm doing and join a team. And I think that aside from the work, I think that not only that, but quality of life and, and hobbies and other interests that I have will finally get to make their way into to what I do daily. You know, I've been wanting to get my motorcycle license and um, Me too. go snowboarding. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm, it's something I've been putting off for a really long time, partly because New York. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Josh Parker's listening to this. He has his, and he's been bugging me to get mine. So I know I have no excuse, but this is really a big thing. And then my wife is going to be opening up her bakery. And I think oh, it's very just, cool. Yeah. There's just a lot of stuff outside of work that factored into it as well. Um, so it was, it's, it was just a giant swirling pot of positive things that was just like a, yes, we, we need to do this. We were, we are foolish to not do this. So it, it wasn't so much a calculated decision as it was just felt natural and right. Yeah. And these are the guys that I want to do it with. So, so I'd like to talk a little bit about, uh, just collaboration, uh, in the industry. You've worked as a part of some incredible teams. You're, you're about to go work with an incredible team full time. Uh, but you've also worked with great directors, uh, you know, Colin Hesterly, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, but you've also, you know, done projects that are entirely your own from start to finish. Um, so I don't know, you're obviously very capable of, of doing everything from start to finish, but then there's also, I think something special and, and fun and interesting about, uh, collaborating and being a part of the team and, and kind of playing your role. Um, so could you maybe speak on that? Like what, what role do you enjoy the most and, and what do you think are some advantages of collaborating and, and working on a team in the animation industry? I think that working on your own versus working with people is not necessarily a one is better than the other. I, I think that it's just a matter of what you're getting out of that project. And when you're working on your own, there's this feeling of when you complete something, you're like, I did that, like just me, mm. you know, like, and if there's a, a really tough spot or something that you, you managed to struggle through and, and complete, there's this great feeling of accomplishment. And, and I think that is oftentimes the reward for working on your own, aside from maybe not having a choice, you know, maybe, sure. yeah. maybe it is just a, a you and the client kind of thing. And in that sense, then great, you know, more power to you. But then on the other side of the coin, working with people, I think especially working with people side by side where you, you're sitting beside someone. And this is something I think I would, I would encourage everyone to do who don't already do it, is just ask questions. Like, always ask questions. Ask the dumbest questions that you can think <laughs> of. You know, I'm, when I'm sitting beside people, I'm constantly like my eyes are darting around and I'm going, like, how did you do that? Or like, what what technique are you using? And I learn stuff all the time that I'm sure other people have known for years. And it's only because I asked about it hmm. and I otherwise wouldn't have figured it out. And I think that to me, that's a big part of collaborating. And then also is just when you're collaborating, I often find that you're, you're much more able to make creative decisions rather than technical decisions hmm. where whether you're designing or animating, you can, come up with some solution and you, you're thinking outside of this how box and more of the why box and and so you figure out why you want to do it and then you have all these other people that you can pull from 
or maybe it's not in your wheelhouse. Maybe it's some character, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a cell animator. Yeah, I really want to get into it. And I'm looking forward to working with a bunch of the cell guys at Oddfellows and yeah. being like, Te- "Teach me your magic. Like, teach yeah. me how you're <laughs> how you're doing this." You know, yeah, that's incredible. Whether it's some weird perspective change or something, and and they can add that to the scene, and you can you can bring what you have to the table, and then you kind of cross pollinate a little bit, and you learn a little bit from each other, and it's just a slow burn of getting better by being exposed to things that you absolutely wouldn't do on your own because you don't know that they exist. Yeah. So I'm curious, is there anything that, that you've been learning lately is like cell animation, like your next step? Do you, do you set targeted goals for learning? I don't set targeted goals. I have like a little mental list of things that I either don't know how to do at all, or I'm, I'm not capable of doing for money, I guess, but I definitely want to learn how to sell animate. Um, I think that there's just a whole other dimension that it brings in terms of life to a project that is often very difficult to do in the 2d world Hmm. just because especially character animation, like hats off to people who character animate because that is, that is another level. Like (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a profession in its own. It really is Like, like it's amazing. And, and so learning how to, to bring some of that to the table is probably the top of my list. Um, and I haven't been actively working on that. I contributed a very small part of Photoshop animation to this little <laughs> PDX GIF that we made for the announcement. Oh, yeah, that's so just cool. I love that. patting myself on the back, and then I, everyone else did them, and I'm like, well, that was fun while it lasted. <laughs> but, you know, it was. I learned something doing that. And then aside from that, it's just been a matter of, I'm really trying to get better at design and illustration um, and being quicker. I'm not very fast. And so um, just just learning how to, to not overthink things and feel more confident about the design decisions that I make, um, that's something that I'm actively working on, trying to figure out ways to plug that into a project. So uh, you run and curate a Vimeo channel and site called Ice Cream Hater. Um, <laughs> which is fantastic. It is a, to anyone listening, it is a great source of inspiration. Uh, if you ever just need, yeah, just want to go and be inspired, check out Ice Cream Hater. So, Jordan, I'm curious, first, where did the name Ice Cream Hater come from? Because I, I like ice cream. Uh, and <laughs> also... Most people do. Most people do. And and what, also, like, what do you look for when you're choosing and curating these videos? All right, let's settle this definitively so I don't have to answer this question ever again. <laughs> okay. I do not like ice cream. Huh. Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just a... Don't try and understand my logic is the best way I could put it because I love milkshakes. What? <laughs> uh, I love milk. Um, yep, yeah, I, I just I don't, don't understand yeah, it. You know, I, you know what? I'm sure people are... are cursing at me right now but that's all right i'm used to it i i just don't like it i don't like have this deep seated hatred for it i think to me it's more of like a (laughs) super sweet and the texture i also hate like i'm one of those people who doesn't i can't like chew ice cubes and stuff so i I end up just like waiting for the ice cream to melt and then i might as well just be drinking a milkshake shall i get a milkshake so so well there you go there you go i don't like ice cream (laughs) okay debate settled and then I guess in terms of why 
it is uh, a thing. It's just, I started it, I don't, gosh, I don't know, a long time ago. Five, six years, maybe? I don't know. Maybe wow. that's wrong. No, I, that sounds right. Uh, this is a long time, though. Yeah, it's been around for a little while, and it was it was started back when I just felt like there was a bit of an absence in places to find good work that wasn't necessarily polished, finished studio work. And it was, it was a selfish endeavor. It was for me. It was, it was a place for me to put my stuff, um, and find things. And then I guess over the course of doing it, people seem to, to start checking it out daily or weekly or, or periodically. And, and so I kind of realized that there was an audience on the other side of, of putting up work. And, so it, it first and foremost is still just for me. I do it because it, it motivates me to daily go out and see what other people are doing and stay active in the community. If I, you know, I try and post twice daily if there's content Monday to Friday. And, wow. and I know that, that by putting that on the site, I am accountable to other people who might check it in the morning or check it in the evening. And, and so I think that's a really cool little connection where I can just share things that I think are interesting. And in terms of what gets posted, not really much logic. I think it's just if it's good work. You know, whether I've posted all sorts of things from motion tests and scribbles to polished pieces from top studios to the in-between from from just single people doing their own projects. And it's just what's what's interesting, what has heart and what's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, between between that and wine after coffee, like you're set. You got all the inspiration you need. Yeah. Hats off to those guys. That's that's another fantastic one. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I'm I don't need to tell anybody I'm preaching to the choir here, but <laughs> Yeah, we were we were both at Blend this year, which was put on by Wine After Coffee, which was We were, yeah. Super fun. Looking forward to 2017. Yeah. It's going to be great. I got to make a list of all the people I didn't connect with. Oh my gosh, it it, it just keeps getting bigger too. The the more people that I meet online and that and that You sort of think thing. you hit everybody and then oh no. months later I'm like hearing so and so was there. I know, I'm still I'm finding like, out about what? people that I was like, "Oh, we follow we I, we follow I, each other on Twitter. Why why oh, bummer. Oh well." Yeah, yeah. But now we know. Now we know. No excuses next time. That's right. <laughs> So do you have, I'm curious, do you have any advice for young or aspiring animators, maybe either trying to get a job at a studio or just trying to make a career uh, freelance? Um, I'll try not to repeat myself. I think a lot of the stuff I've covered. Yeah, but definitely. I, I think that one thing that people often ask, and I periodically get emails about is, well, what can I do to get into this studio? Or what are they looking for? I saw that you worked there. And they aren't really going to like the answer that I give them, but it's the right answer. And it's don't approach it where you're, like I said earlier, trying to please a certain person, do what makes you feel happy and what you enjoy doing and want to get better at and, and frame up your site with the work that you want to get hired for. And the work will come, you know, it's, you just have to work at it. There's no quick, easy solution. Just like there's no quick, easy solution to, manual keyframing something and then being asked, well, what plugin did you use? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I used the plugin time. <laughs> and my brain. Yeah. My brain yeah. is the plugin. And not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> not sleeping at value. 
I'm curious, does, do you think that personal projects have, have a place in that? Um, I, earlier you kind of touched on um, just kind of the process. I mean, I mean, what we do, it's fun and, and something that we're passionate about. I know you made mm-hmm. uh, Butterfingers uh, last year-ish. Um, you know, Vimeo staff pick. Everybody loved it. It's great. Everybody should go check it out. Um, I don't know. Thank I'm, you. I'm curious, you're, you know, why did you decide to make that? Uh, that was a long process. That was something that probably from conception to actually posting it was probably close to two years ish maybe a little under um and i the slow burn yeah yeah, real slow burn and it was so long in fact that i ended up redesigning it from start to finish probably halfway (laughs) through because i was i I had gotten better i had improved at what i was able to do and i was looking at something like this this isn't representative of the idea Hmm. And the idea itself was just, it was, I think it was the first idea I came up with. So, so that I kind of lucked out there conceptually. It was just trying to come up with something that other people can relate to. Everybody drops stuff on the ground, problem solved. And it was, how, how do you, I do that in a fun kind of, oh, I've done that sort of way. Was there a purpose behind it? Did you just set out? Did you just want to make something just for you? I wanted to make something. I wanted to do everything. Um, and concentrate on a more illustrative style that I hadn't really been able to, I, I had often animated, but wasn't the sole designer on as well. And I was like, this is my chance. So I designed everything and animated everything. And ironically enough, coming up with those items, I hope it seems fun and easy, but it was, there was a laundry list of things that didn't make it in. Some of which were animated. I had like an urn filled with ashes and like, <laughs> oh, no. uh, like uh, a baby soother insinuating a baby was going to be dropped or oh, no. <laughs> um, all sorts of stuff. And, and so it was a very meticulous kind of honing in of what would make it into the final cut, I guess. So it, it was just a learning experience for me. It was something to work on in a time when I wasn't necessarily doing anything that I was feeling rewarded at. Um, so th- I, there's definitely a place to answer your question. I think definitely trying to get it done during the day is most important. Try and finding work that fulfills you, you know, during the daylight hours. But if for some reason you don't get that, which we don't always get all the time, having something that you can go chip away at. And this was something that I just did when I had free time. I think there were, there was definitely months when I didn't work on it and then I'd come back and there were, you know, I'd work on it a ton for a week or something and then leave it, leave it be. So, well, we try to end each episode with a few of the same questions. So the first one is who is your dream client? Um, you know what? I think for me, after being fortunate enough to work for all sorts of brands and companies. Yeah. You've worked for a lot of the big ones. Yeah. It, it becomes less about, who who it's for like you just you you get to a place where you don't necessarily care um and it's it's more about what's the relationship like with the studio or the client is it an open and honest working relationship do they want you to make fun stuff and make the best that you can and are they open to taking risks and having those potentially pay off and i think that it's just about being in an environment that uh, shares your values and and just lets you sometimes make something fun for the sake of making something fun. Hmm. And if it's something more serious, then 
then you're on the same page about that. And it's just about the more about the process than who it's for. So I think you could apply that to any project and any client. And it's just about finding that every day. All right. What is your favorite animated film? Favorite animated film is Peter Pan. Oh, great choice. Yes, absolutely. I am a lost boy. <laughs> I have it on my knuckles. Oh, man. Yeah, you've got, you've got an impressive collection of tattoos, man. I have a few, just a couple. Yeah. I, uh, when did that all start? I, I am curious. I am like uh, a little... day I turned 18. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Made my mom come with me. She was not happy. I, I just like, I don't know. Like, I'm interested. I see it. And I'm like, I would totally do that. But that first one, I'm like, what is it? Like, maybe I just needed to get it over with. Are you asking me? Yeah. Or are you? No, no I just like, I don't even know what, what to do. It just seems like such a big step. I'm so worried because like, I... I don't know. Like I look at my own work like two years ago mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, I hate yeah. that. Like that, that scares me so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah, you, you know, I, it, you hear it all the time and there's two schools of thought. There's the people who will think it to death. And then there's the people oh, who no. just that's me. don't think it through at all, which is me. <laughs> so, you know, I have a, my first tattoo was a tramp stamp that I drew myself. Oh, so. Perfect. Yep. Got it so out of the way. So now everybody feels like they know me really well. <laughs> feel free to bring bring that up if we ever cross paths. Okay. Perfect. All right. What do the people that you love think that you do? So maybe parents, grandparents? Oh, I was home for Christmas recently, and I still get, like, <laughs> what, what was the word? Uh, like, video editor, video animator. Um, I don't know, like branding, so, like there's just a very, my mom pr has a pretty good idea and my mom and dad kind of have a grasp on it because I send them stuff yeah. pretty regularly. But other than that, I don't know. Our, our poor, I, our poor I, I families. Don't. It's so hard to describe. Yeah. Kind and of. it's every time you go home, you get the same questions Yeah, and the same, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, <laughs> you have to find the humor in it. Otherwise you go crazy. Exactly. All right, last question. What animal did you choose for your animalator and why? I chose a bear. And I chose a bear for two reasons. One is because it's uh, what my wife and I call each other. Uh, and I'm also just a bit of a bear sometimes. So, <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. The sleeping doesn't hurt either. So, Perfect. Well, dude, yeah. that's it. Animalators is produced by Gradient. Find out more at gradient.is. Our theme music was written and produced by Cody Fry. You can hear more about his music at codyfry.com. To learn more about the work we're doing at Identity Visuals, check out identityvisuals.com or follow us on Twitter at identityvisuals. To find out more about Jordan's work, head to his website j-scott.com or follow him on Twitter at j-scott, that's j-d-a-s-h scott. I'd also highly recommend visiting icecreamhater.com and subscribing to the channel on Vimeo as well for some fresh animation inspiration daily. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can find us at Animalators. If you haven't done it yet, be sure and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher as well. That will do it for this week's podcast. We'll see you all in a couple weeks for another episode of Animalators. Curious conversations from the world of animation. Animalators.